and how the real focal point this week is inflation data, the CPI, Consumer Price Index, due out tomorrow. Let's bring in Michael Zaremski, the Director of Futures at Charles Schwab. He's joining us to get ahead of the number. Michael, welcome. Good morning to you. You know, uh, it seems like last week everybody was dialed in on the job support. This week, obviously, the attention has shifted to the inflation numbers uh, due out tomorrow. Before we get into some of the individual commodities that we should uh, factor into kind of what to expect tomorrow. I want to just get your overall thoughts on how, again, uh, you know, in a data-dependent Fed environment, uh, this is where the focal point for investors and traders needs to be. Again, we're talking inflation, we're talking jobs, and ultimately, uh, you know, the pressures or the, uh, uh, you know, uh, headwinds that this is creating for the Fed in terms of their initiatives to raise rates. Good morning, Ben. That's exactly right. As the Fed has made, I think, perfectly clear now through uh, many of its members there, as well as Chair Powell here, that funding inflation is job number one, the Fed, and they will not be swayed by that endeavor there until we see inflation rates get back down to that 2% level, their target level there. And obviously, the improving uh, job picture there as well, too, this gives them even more incentive there to keep tightening conditions as well too, and actually gives them some room there. If the economy is you know, still stable and still creating jobs here, they can go a little bit stronger there and hopefully kind of break the back of inflation. So yes, that is definitely the key focus of this week here. P, uh, CPI tomorrow and a PPI on Thursday. That's really kind of the core center there for traders this week. Okay, we're looking at uh, expectations here. Significant downticks expected on the month-over-month -month basis from 1.3 to 0.3 for the core. Uh, not a major downtick or as big of one, but to a half a percent from 0.7. Obviously, the year-over-year -year numbers are going to be a consideration in addition to the core, uh, which is still expected to uptick on a year-over-year. -year. Uh, there you can see, again, core month-over-month -month for the PPI numbers in terms of the producer side of things. Two very closely watched numbers here this week. But, Michael, you know, uh, our guests have been coming on, and a lot of people are talking about how we should be expecting to see kind of or this uh, peak inflation uh, narrative is going to start to come to fruition ultimately with crude prices coming off. I mean, let's just begin there because it was at the peak of the uh, war on Ukraine when Russia first attacked. We saw prices spike up to $130 a barrel. I mean, uh, last week down to 87 ultimately uh, a significant move off those upper levels. So that in itself is going to provide some price pressure relief. Absolutely right there. Yeah. Uh, crude oil, if you look at a continuation chart, it actually peaked in early March just after the Russian invasion of Ukraine there, uh, just above $130 a barrel. Mm -hmm. Since that time, from a peak to the current uh, lows we've seen here just the past couple of days, we've been down almost 32% from peak to trough here as well, too. So that's definitely going to play a factor there in seeing that core headline CP. I figure start to move down, especially because gasoline, which actually peaked much later, actually peaked in June. And those prices are down 36% from peak to trough here as well, too. And since that did peak in June, that's when we've seen that high tick in that uh, headline figure for CPIs. That's why we expect to see a nice percentage come down here at the peak number here in July there, just basically because of energy prices alone. And that's why we're not seeing the same figure in the core, because core excludes both energy and food. So that's sure. why you're seeing kind of that economy there in those two figures as well. But um, yeah, definitely with the energy prices there, which make up about, what, 14% uh, of the CPI figures as well, too. That's why we're going to see that decline here in the uh, July figures. Here's a look at the uh, four-hour time frame. This is that move that uh, Michael just mentioned from the spike highs we saw 
end of Feb, beginning of March, up around 130, down to well, recent lows I mentioned, around 87. Here's that uh, most recent lower high that you were talking about in terms of the June highs, up around 123. I just want to point out, you know, this is the weekly time frame and the move up that we've seen, the well-defined trend higher and still just kind of testing this lower extreme, a bit of breakout here, but uh, this week kind of limited in terms of real follow-through to the downside at this point, still kind of limited in terms of continuation of that move lower last week. Let's talk real quick, Michael, about when I look at this chart, all that comes to mind is copper and how, well, it's kind of reminiscent of the move that we saw off the $5 spike high earlier this spring. I mean, and now back uh, in the middle of the $3 range. So again, a, a little bit of a different chart. I'll pull it in a second in terms of opening up the door to the downside, maybe a precursor in terms of what we can expect for crude, but at the very least, Another commodity, another uh, one of those inputs that we talk about in terms of inflationary pressures that, well, has eased over the since the highs that we saw earlier this spring. Absolutely right there. Copper is kind of, you know, they have some similarities to what we see with the crude market is uh, mm -hmm. copper prices also peaked in March as well, just above the all-time highs or above $5 a pound. But a, a couple of different factors there, I think, for the copper market and why we've seen those declines here since then. And a lot of it has to do with China. Uh, the China COVID lockdowns there really kind of dampened the demand uh, aspect there for copper there as they're the world's large consumer of the metal there as well, too. Plus, they're also having a economic situations, especially with the real estate sector there. So that really took a lot of the bullish momentum out of the copper market. And also, it's no surprise as well, too, that those prices peaked just before we started to see the major central banks there start to mm -hmm. tighten conditions there. We had the first Fed hike there in uh, mid-March, just after that peak in copper prices. And when you started that trend, what else happened there? We saw interest rates start to increase, and we also saw the dollar strengthen. Two factors there, there are headwinds on commodity prices as well, too. So it was almost a, a perfect storm there as well, too, at a market there that kind of hit all-time highs there as well, too, and had all these... Uh, factors that are coming to market at the same time that that really kind of pressured prices down to where we see right now. I and mean, from peak to trough, there we're down about 37%. However, we are seeing some science here. We're starting to see a little bit of buying interest once again coming into the copper market. Now their prices have moved this low as well, too. So we may have seen kind of maybe the uh, full move of this recent downward trend as well, too. We're starting to start to stabilize now from those lows. We're looking at that move from $5 this spring back in March all the way down to 313. I just want to pull up here the daily time frame so you can see how it well is holding below the 50-day moving average. That sharp move lower again from $5 uh, to the $3 level and how uh, well it just invalidated that trend environment to the upside we had been seeing. And as you mentioned here, copper and crude track each other very closely. Now let's move away from the industrial metals and the energies component here on over to the grains because it's not just at the pumps. It's not just in terms of uh, you know if we're buying new homes, the input prices and the costs associated with that and electric vehicles, for example, when you're talking about some of these precious metals and uh, we've seen prices come off there. We just pointed out energies and metals, but grains as well. I mean, corn, wheat, and beans halved basically, Michael, in terms of levels we saw earlier this spring. Absolutely right. I think the the poster trial for that is the wheat market because that was the one that really accelerated to the upside there once the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine there because that, in a sense, halted about 30% of wheat exports out of the Black Sea region. And we saw that market really spike higher above $13 a bushel there, uh, right there in that May time, uh, March timeframe. So once again, peaked right there at the same time as we've seen the peak in both crude oil 
and copper. Now, the situation there has improved dramatically. In fact, right now, from peak to trough here, we're going to near the lows here of this recent move here, downward move in weed. We're down about 45% from those highs mm -hmm. uh, on a continuous contract basis here. Now, a couple of reasons why. One, we started to see, once again, some exports start to come out of the Black Sea region and out of Ukraine there. So it's still just a trickle there as well, too. But that also took some of that uh, concerns there about those crops there maybe being uh, stuck there over there in in Europe there as well, too. Another thing is uh, some countries here, for instance, uh, Australia, looks like Canada is going to have decent wheat crops this season there as well, too. So some like a grain market where you have these seasonal factors there and you have wheat really grown around the world. If you have difficulties in one area, there's other areas that kind of make up the difference there. We're starting to see potentially bigger crops there and two major exports as well, too, also taking some of the steam out of the market. And the third one as well is, in a sense there, I think we really got just dramatically overbought there based on the whole Ukraine situation there mm -hmm. as well, too. Mm -hmm. So I think those prices are just at an overall elevated levels there. And even now, down around 750 here. This is exactly cheap wheat here, Ben, but it's definitely at a much more reasonable price than we've seen before. In fact, right now, kind of like we're seeing in the copper market here as well, too, it looks like maybe we're finding a little bit of buying interest down at these levels here. We may have found a good area of support here for the wheat market. Okay, so copper... Uh, wheat, beans, energy prices coming off elevated levels from earlier this spring. A good thing in many ways when we're talking about those inflationary pressures. And Michael, if you could just wrap it up here for us, you can understand why people are sort of looking for these inflation numbers to peak and ultimately some relief from that. The CPI, the PPI numbers this week could be a reflection of what we were just talking about in terms of many of these inputs that we factor into uh, these equations. This data has significantly come off upper levels from earlier this spring. Absolutely right there. Yeah, we definitely seen uh, looks like a peak prices there for both the food and fuel, especially there. Those are, you know, core figures there and those headline figures as well, too. That's why we'll definitely see a downward move here in that uh, headline CPI. Now, going forward, though, the trajectory of any kind of declines, though, I think it's going to be kind of a tough grind lower there as well, too. So we really shouldn't expect to see inflation, let's say, go from 9.1% down to, let's say, 5 4 3% in the coming months it's going to take some time sure. it could take months or even years to really get down back to that two percent level as well too so i think we're probably in the right direction of the trend here as well too but i think additional gains here may be a little bit tougher to go as we go into the end of the year unless we really see that sharp signs of a global slowdown i think that's the only thing that could really take those inflationary levels down a lot faster here but looking here at the u.s economy and the jobs data as well too doesn't seem like it's going to be the case here at least in the u.s okay peak or plateau one or the other at the very least it's going to provide some relief here so we'll continue to watch this here some of the inputs here and ultimately uh the data as it gets released here mike always appreciate you joining a solid breakdown here this morning in terms of taking a look at some of the inputs into this inflationary narrative and ultimately uh, as they've come off, hopefully we'll see a reflection of that in terms of the data tomorrow. Michael Zremski, the Director of Futures at Charles Schwab.